Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is LaShaw James. I'm one of the leaders here at The Rim. Um, I'm a dad, so his Father's Day is really big for me. Come on. Um, I'm a black man, uh, so Juneteenth is also really big for me. Uh, I'm also a follower of Jesus, so Sunday is, is really big for me as well. Um, and there's a lot going on today. Uh, you know, Sunday, his Father's Day is Juneteenth. Yeah. Um, so I found myself asking, like, okay, do I do like a Father's Day kind of message and talk about the legacy that men can leave as fathers? Do I do a Juneteenth kind of message and talk about slavery and like everyone's butt cheeks get really tight? Um, Do I do, or like as a Christian, do I just keep it like, just preach the text, sir? None of that slavery stuff, none of that Father's Day, just teach the text. Um, I was asking myself that. And if if you're wondering, the answer is yes. Um, I'm going to call, <laughs> I'm going to call Steve up here in a second. He's going to read for us some scripture. Um, and as he's reading through these genealogies, please, please do not doze off. Do not fall asleep. There's something in these verses that I, that we need to see together. Um, and if, we, if you read it for yourself, I think it's a little bit more powerful. To catch you up in the story, uh, so far we have just got through Cain and Abel, which is a story about how the man and the woman, they leave the garden, they have two sons, things seem to be going okay, um, and then all of a sudden Cain and Abel, uh, they, they bring the, their offering to God, and one person is accepted, one person isn't, and Cain gets jealous, and he gets filled with fury and wrath, and God comes to him and says, hey man, you don't have to act on your impulses, man of God. You don't have to act on that anger, right? You, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. Sadly, Cain kills his brother. It's the first murder in the Bible. Cain kills his brother, and as a consequence for his sin, God exiles him a little farther east into the land of Nod, or literally into the land of wandering. Um, he's just cursed into the land of wandering. Um, and that's where we pick up in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17. So, Steve, I have you read the genealogies. Oh, uh, throw the slide up that has name and Enoch. Yeah. So here's your special. I'll let you use this mic. So anytime you see the word name, like uh, building a big name for himself, or people begin to call on the name of the Lord, put a little sauce on that word. And then Enoch means dedicated. His name literally means dedicated. Um, So when you read the word Enoch, it's dedicated. And then Lamech means powerful, right? We're going to read about some powerful men. We're going to read about some dedicated men. And these men are, they have, they're in the same bloodline. So as it's Father's Day, we can talk about grandfathers and fathers and sons. We're going to talk about dedicated men and powerful men, but there's two separate stories that you're going to read. So as you're reading through these verses, I want you to see the dedicated and powerful men and what's going on in their life. All right, here we go. Uh, Genesis 4:17, and then all the way all to the end Yeah. Oh, wow. Good morning. Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Irad was born to Enoch. Irad fathered Mehujael. 
Mehu Jael fathered Methusel, and Methusel fathered Lamech. Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Ada and the other named Zillah. He bore Jabal. He was the father of the nomadic herdsmen. His brother was named Jabal. He was the father of all who play the lyre and flute. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Tubal Cain's sister was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be 77 times. Adam, and Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he named, Seth, he named him Enosh. At that point, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Amen. This is the document containing the family records of Adam. And on that day, God created man. He gave, he made them to be in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. When they were created, he blessed them and called them mankind. Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And Adam lived 800 years after he fathered Seth. And he fathered other sons and other daughters. So Adam's life lasted 930 years, then he died. Seth was 105 years old when he fathered Enosh. Seth lived 870 years, 807 years after he fathered Enosh. Seth, and he fathered others, sons and daughters. So Seth's life lasted 912 years, then he died. Enosh was 90 years old when he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived 850 years, 815 years after he fathered Kenan. And he fathered other sons and daughters. So Enosh's life lasted 905 years, then he died. Kenan was 70 years old when he fathered Mahalel. Kenan lived 840 years after he fathered, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Kenan's life lasted 910 years, then he died. Mahalalel was 65 years old when he fathered Jared. Mahalalel gave eight, lived 830 years after he fathered Jared, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Mahalalel's life lasted 895 years, and then he died. Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. Jared lived 800 years, and he fathered Enoch, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Jared's life lasted, Jared's life lasted 962 years, and then he died. Enoch, 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah, Methuselah. <laughs> and he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. Methuselah was 187 years old when he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived 782 years after he fathered Lamech, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Methuselah's life lasted 965 years, then he died. Lamech was 182 years old when he fathered a son, and he named him Noah. 
son, saying, This one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Lamech lived 595 years after he fathered Noah, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Lamech's life lasted 777 years, then he died. Noah was 500 years old, and he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So on the next slide, I want to actually look at these genealogies, and we're not going to look at all of the names. I'm only going to pull a few out. But if you were reading, you might have noticed that in these two bloodlines, uh, that these fathers, they had sons that shared similar names. Um, Adam had Cain, Cain had Enoch, and then he dedicates a city to him. And then down the line, there were a couple more names, and then there's a man named Lamech who just does some really bizarre, crazy things that we've never read in the Bible. And sometimes we kind of skip over those verses, but we'll look at them today. But then we see the line of Seth. Uh, so Adam has Seth, and then people begin to call on the name of the Lord. Seth has a couple more children, children, children. But then eventually Enoch pops up, and then Enoch has Lamech. And then eventually Lamech uh, is the father or grandfather of Noah. Um, so you see these people, the, the bloodlines here are similar. And if you're not careful, you kind of just like skip over it. But we're supposed to look at these two divergent family trees and figure out what is going on here uh, that, that's a story for us. Adam's name literally means humanity. And so what you're seeing here is that humanity uh, has two separate paths that they can take. So as you look up here, you see that uh, Adam, humanity, he uh, has Seth. And it says, Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. The people began to call on the name of the Lord. But Cain has a son, and he builds a city for him and then names it after his son, Enoch, which doesn't quite seem like a, a bad thing, right? Like build a little legacy, put your kid's name on it, have a little inheritance, leave something for your kiddos. Uh, doesn't necessarily seem like something that would be evil, but is there anywhere else in the story where we notice a city that's being built for a name? We notice in Genesis 11, in Genesis 11, it says, as people moved eastward, remember, this is where Cain is walking. He's moving eastward. He's wandering. He's literally in the land of wandering. As people moved eastward, they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly, and we'll use bricks instead of stone. And then they said, let us build our, for ourselves a city and a tower that reaches to heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Cain, who's in the land of wandering, just starts building a city. And, in, and as you see one bloodline beginning to call on the name of the Lord, you see another bloodline focus on being dedicated to their own name. As fathers, will we be known for building a legacy for our own name, our own bloodline? People can call, oh yeah, I built that. I did that. This is my business. This is my building. This is my thing that, is on, that has my name on it. Or we could say, you know what, I want to be known as a man to where, like, as my family grows, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Like, maybe they were calling on the name of the Lord before, but in, in my generation, it shifted. Like, I can clearly see, like, this was the man who began to call on the name of the Lord, and it shifts the family tree. It shifts the, the family tree. We get introduced to another man, and what's the next slide? Go ahead. We get introduced to another man uh, named Lamech. 
Lamech's name literally means powerful. And Lamech does something very, very evil. Um, the first thing that this powerful man does is the Bible says he took two wives. You don't, there's no precedent for that. There's no precedent for that. But in this bloodline of Cain, uh, Cain's name literally means acquired. So as you're looking at Cain and Seth, think of the tree of life and the tree of evil, that the tree of life is trusting God and his definition of good and bad. The tree of knowing good, uh, yeah, trusting God and his definition of good and bad. And then the other tree is the tree of knowing good and bad for yourself, where you can take wisdom for yourself and you can define good and evil on your own terms. And so you'll see one family line trusting God, walking with God, calling on the name of the Lord. But you're going to see another family line that is not walking with God and they take for themselves. They feel like they, they have to defend themselves. They have to fight for themselves. I, I killed a man for wounding me. I fight, oh, I'm, I see this woman, she looks good. I see this woman, they look good. I'm gonna take both of them. And so Cain's bloodline is that they're taking. So Lamech, names, his name means powerful. He marries two women and he, and he gathers his family together. And a very, very wicked thing. He gathers his whole family together and says, I have, a, I have a song I wanna sing for you. I have something I wanna say to you. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. What is, what, what is going on here? It, he says, you know what, I, got, I have a dad, I, I got a granddad, I have an ancestor, and he killed a man. He acted on his impulses. My dad's dad couldn't really control his urges. He got upset and he, he said a few things. He, he hit a couple people. He, he did some things. But I'll tell you this, if, 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 my, if my dad's dad, if, if he is to be avenged seven times, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be avenged 77 times. We see that in the bloodline of Cain, what's being multiplied is destruction and death, that the same hurts, hangups, and habits of one man is getting passed down to another man. And he's literally quoting. He's quoting it. He's saying like, oh man, if he's seven, I'm 77. This is, he's saying, I'm multiplying the hurts, the hangups, and the habits. Now on the other side of the family tree, the, on, on, on Seth's side, there's not much information given about Lamech, except that he lived a total of 777 years. Um, what's being, what do we see here? Well, we're starting with that number seven. What we see here very simply is that life is being multiplied to him. That in one bloodline, death and destruction is being multiplied. But in another bloodline, life is being multiplied. Where was our granddad a couple generations ago? That's it. Where, where was he at? What is, what's being multiplied in my life that might have come from my father? What's being multiplied in my life that might have come from my father? We're also introduced to a man named uh, Enoch that's dedicated. I think that's the next slide. It says, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Remember, Enoch's name means dedicated, right? So we have one Enoch that has a city dedicated to him, but this Enoch, he seems to be dedicated to something else. He's not dedicated, his name's not dedicated or consecrated for a city, but he's dedicated to walking faithfully with God. 
The Bible says he walked with God 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. That phrase there, had other sons and daughters, does not appear anywhere in the line of Cain. If you notice, as he was reading, he never mentioned had other sons and daughters. Uh, But as you read through the line of Seth, you see had other sons and daughters. Very simply, you see life is being multiplied to this family, right? The blessing of being fruitful and multiplied is following the family that trusts in the name of the Lord. Men and women who who learned how to call upon the name of the Lord men who learn how to walk faithfully with God, that we just see life being multiplied here. It says, altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. That somehow the faithfulness of this man, he just walked closely with God, and he experienced life, like to the point where God just took him. There's a mystery here. Um, so as we look at these two family trees, and I think we have the, yeah, this question is, what does this story show us about God? What does this story show us about God? Well, number one, God is the only giver of life and provision. God is the only person who can give you life and give you provision. When Eve has Seth, she says something interesting. She says that God has given me, remember, that's the opposite of, the opposite of taking is, is accepting, like, God, could you give, I'm praying, like, God, could you give me? Eve said, God has given me another son because Cain has killed Abel, right? So God gives life. He gives provision. We don't have to take for ourselves. Many people in this room right now, I could feel like you're, um, as a Christian, you know you're supposed to pray for what you want, but then there's a part of you that wants to take it. Like, I know I'm supposed to pray for provision. I know I'm supposed to pray for like my financial situation. As a man of God, I'm supposed to pray for my marriage. I'm supposed to pray for all of these things. But if I'm being honest, a lot of times I don't want to pray for, I want to, I want to define good and evil on my own terms and take and acquire for myself. That maybe as men, we have impulses. Like Cain had the impulse. He was angry at his brother. He was angry at his brother. And God said, hey, I see that you're angry. But if you do what's right, you will be accepted. You don't have to act on your impulses. You are not a man who has to act on his impulses. You are not a beast. You are not an animal. You are not a man that has to act on his impulses. God, in that very moment where that anger sets in, God is near to him, not far away. He's near saying, if you do what's right, you will be accepted. You'll be accepted. We don't have to act on our impulses. So we know, what does this teach us about God? God is the only giver of life and provision. If we trust him, we can see that the blessing to be fruitful and multiplied is given to us. Um, God wants to give us wisdom. So whenever you're angry, whenever you're upset, whenever those impulses hit you, God is right there to want, he wants to give you wisdom. He's not far away. He's not distant. God wants to walk with us. He wants to walk with us and he sees us. What does this teach us about humans? What does this teach us about fathers? As humans, we are designed to multiply. What are we multiplying? What we don't allow God to transform, we transfer. We transfer it down to other people. Cain, had a, he had a pivotal moment where God was speaking to him and he decided to ignore the voice of God and take action for himself. He, he, he asked his brother to come out into the field. He killed him. And instead of following the wisdom of God and trusting God's definition of good and bad, he said, no, I will define what's good and bad for myself. And these impulses that I feel, I just, I have to, I have to act on them. 
God wants to give us wisdom. He wants us to walk closely with him. He sees us. Uh, we were designed to multiply, but the question is, what will we multiply? And what we don't allow God to transform, we transfer to other people. What kind of powerful man do you want to be? What kind of powerful man do you want to be? You want to be a powerful man that if you see a woman and you, you can just take what you want, you, you want to marry two women, just go, just take it. You're Lamech, you're a powerful man. You want to see, if it's a girl on the internet, you want to see it, you want to take it, it's all yours. You're a powerful man, Lamech. Is that the kind of power as men that we want to walk in? The powerful type of man that says, no one's going to mess with me. If you wound me, I'll kill you. If you try to hurt me, that's it for you. Is that the kind of powerful man we want to be? Or do we want to be the type of man that trusts God to, to, to give us life and provision, that I don't have to fight to protect my own life, that God and his grace will, will grant me life. I wonder if there's another, another man in the Bible that shows us what it's looked like to trust God for life, that even when he's beaten, whipped, all-powerful, that he shows us what power looks like, that power, that, that trusting God is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. I don't, have to show you, I don't have to show how powerful I am by the women I can acquire in my life. I don't have to show how powerful I am by gathering everyone together and singing songs about me. I don't have to show how powerful I am by defending myself and fighting for what, you know, and acting on these impulses that if somebody hurts me, I have to show you how lamech I am by fighting you. What kind of dedicated do we want to be? Are we dedicated to building a name for ourselves? Or do we want to be known as being dedicated because we walk with God? Fathers, we get to choose whether we want to be dedicated to building a name for us and our biological family or walking with God or walking with God. Have you ever felt like one of your like, ancestors or like your father, your great-grandfather, like they were, just, they were just a wanderer, like just spiritually they were kind of wandering from God just like they were just out wandering. And then as they're wandering, they literally build cities in the land of wandering. Like the foolishness that was in their life, they just kind of sat in it for like a couple generations. The decisions that our grandfathers make affect us. The decisions as men, the decisions that we make affect everyone else we have influence on. For those of you in the room who might be listening, men, and you're not a father, but you definitely have influence because you're a teacher or you're a disciple maker and you have influence over other people, everything I'm saying applies to you. So if I'm saying the word fathers, please don't tune out. Um, but I do really want the fathers that are in the room to, to, to listen and hear me. So, But as, as, as fathers and as men, what we do today affects generations to come. Maybe you're the generation where people begin to walk on the name of the Lord and your son's son is a generation of, of dedicated people who walk with God. And then eventually, you see like Noah, the Bible says that Noah found favor in God's eyes. That's a whole pattern of, of, a, of a, just a generations and generations of godly men, of godly men. As we look back today, uh, I want to ask the question, where, where was your great-grandfather and what did you inherit from his life? Where was your great-grandfather and what did you inherit from his life? You see a photo here, uh, that beautiful little girl with the pink jacket on, that's my wife. <laughs> Look how cute she is. 
looking up to her little daddy. They're going to church. She has a little Bible. That's, the picture was taken in 1995. Uh, the photo you see in the middle is, uh, so that's the same man. That's my, my, my father-in-law, and that's his father. And so they're, they're in church. And then the photo you see right to the left is his father. So that's Doriana's great-grandfather. Doriana's great-grandfather uh, was born a slave and was a slave for seven years of his life. So no preschool, no kindergarten, um, first and second grade. No, just uh, slavery. Um, this is the part for those of you who are thinking, like, when was Juneteenth coming? Um, he was born a slave. And for those of you who don't know the story, you can go to the, to the next slide. Um, in June 19, 1865, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation finally reaches the heart of Texas. It reaches a place that most people actually didn't think it was going to get to. Like, people would, like, move their slaves to Texas because they're like, yeah, the North and the South, they're kind of fighting. But, like, this is never going to get to the heart of Texas. And so, you know, we can really hold on here. Uh, but eventually, the news, uh, the good news about the freedom that was given to black people reached Texas. Um, and it was given in this general order number three. So you can show that slide. Um, and it's kind of hard to read. Don't, don't struggle. I'll, I'll pull it up. But this is like the newspaper clipping that would run uh, for this general order number three. Go to the next slide. I'll actually read it for us. It says, the people are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them become that between an employer and hired labor. The freed are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages, and they are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military post, and that they will not be supported in their idleness, either there or elsewhere. Um, yeah, good news. That's kind of weird to read, right? Um, but good news, nonetheless. Um, June 19th is, is not actually the end of slavery in Texas. Uh, freedom from slavery came at different times in America. It wasn't like today where like a president could like whip out their phone and just tweet national policy, and then everyone's like, oh, I got it. Um, no, it was something that had to be delivered via snail mail. And then even more importantly than that, even if you got the news, chances are people don't have to like act on it. Like, who's going to make me? Kind of one of those things, right? Um, and as I reflect on the story of Juneteenth, a lot of things come to mind. Uh, a lot. A lot really comes to mind. But I think in this, in this space, the most appropriate thing... Um, is the fact that freedom and change are experienced in milestones, not finish lines. Like June 19th, it's, a it's something to celebrate, but it's definitely a milestone and it's not a finish line. That the freedom that we get to experience is still a milestone, it's not a finish line. That as you hear that you have freedom in Christ and that you're no longer a slave to sin, uh, and you're like, yes, praise God, amen, you celebrate it. But that's definitely a, a, a milestone, not, not a finish line. It's a weird already but not yet type of freedom that you live in. Even as men, you might have inherited some hurts, hangups, and habits from, from your dad or your granddad, and you're trying to live a better life. You're going to counseling, you're reading all the books, you're, you're praying more, um, and, you're, and you're starting to see some of these milestones. And I wanna just celebrate that. Like, I wanna celebrate that God is, is changing the hearts of men and turning them back to him. It is no small thing 
that you're sitting in this room right now, man of God. If the enemy had his way, you would be part of a different generation in a different story, multiplying death and destruction everywhere you go, powerful men taking multiple wives and and defending yourself with violence and having to prove how powerful you are. But the fact that you're sitting in this room right now means that God is writing a different story. God is writing a different story. The decisions that we make today, the choices that we make today affect generations to come. So how? How do, we, how do we now get to live? And you can go to the, to the next slide. God intended for us, as he blessed us, he said, be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. The legacy that we were to leave is a legacy of life, that where we go, there's order, there's beauty, and there's life being multiplied. But because of our treason, instead of a legacy of calling on the name of the Lord, walking faithfully with God, finding favor in his eyes, we sometimes see a legacy of death, that we're men that act on impulses, angry men or men that feel shame and hide from our wives, hide from those who love us. We, we hide from God. We want to hide our sins. So there's shame and anger, and we, we find ourselves multiplying the sins of, of fathers that came before us. And so the question is, how do we get back to God's original design? How do we get back to God's original design for us to leave a legacy of life? There was a man, his name is Jesus, and he came and he showed us what dedication actually looks like. He would say things like, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Did you not know that I would be about my Father's business? So that I and the Father are one. That he had such dedication to walking faithfully with the Father it influenced what he did. It influenced what he said. It influenced, it influenced the people he hung around. It influenced how he leveraged his life. He showed us what dedication looks like. But not only that, Jesus, God in the flesh, shows us what power looks like. That he didn't have to show off. He didn't have to prove himself. He didn't have to defend himself. Like he didn't have to fight. Like if if someone were to rise up against him, he knew what his purpose was. He would allow himself to be turned over into the hands of men if it meant that he can serve other people. So he shows us what power actually looks like. And as we turn and trust in Jesus, the perfect man, he shows us what it looks like to be human. He shows us what it looks like to have a good relationship with our heavenly father. And we can begin to, to recover and pursue leaving a legacy of life. God, I pray over every man that's in this room right now. God, that you would show us what it looks like to walk closer with you and to call upon your name, not to to build towers with our name on it, but to walk closely with you and to call upon the name of the Lord. God, I thank you that You've already started doing a work in these men's lives, that that they are in a better place because of your influence, because we have a new heavenly father uh, that we now get to, to live a different story, that we don't have to take, we don't have to acquire, we don't have to show how powerful we are, um, but, but we can humbly walk with you. I thank you for it, God. I, I, and we, we want to celebrate the, the milestones of freedom that we're experiencing 
We want to celebrate the milestones of freedom that we're experiencing. In Jesus' name, amen. Men of God, if you haven't heard it yet, I want to celebrate the milestones that you're achieving. We're not there yet. We recognize we're not there yet. It's not a finish line, but you are making strides and we see you. We see you. You are making strides. You're doing, you're doing better. And we want to acknowledge those milestones. We know they're not finish lines, but we definitely want to acknowledge that you are, you're working hard. You're trying to walk faithfully with God more and more. You're trying not to let the hurts, hangups, and habits of your father and your great-grandfather be passed down to the people who you're influencing. We recognize that you're doing the hard work of, of figuring out, God, what have you called me to do? What are you saying to me, and how do I walk in obedience? And I really hope that on, on this Father's Day that the fathers are celebrated, but even the men um, in this room feel celebrated, that everyone would feel celebrated, but specifically for today, fathers and men, that you would feel celebrated. Um, for those of you wives, if you haven't told your husband yet, acknowledge those evidences of God's grace in their life, not to praise them, but to praise God, the God who changes people, that you don't have to, we don't have to act on our impulses because God's voice tells us that we can do better, that we have the spirit of God in us, that we can actually listen to God and hear him say, hey, man of God, don't do that. You don't have to act on that impulse. You don't have to do that thing. So, man, if you haven't heard it yet, I hope you hear it all day today. Um, I hope you hear it all day today that we, we see the milestones and the freedom that you're walking in. And, and we just want to, to affirm that. Remember, should nothing of our efforts stand and no legacy survive. Unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me, what is your life? A miss, it vanishes at dawn. All glory be to Christ. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.